When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. In a world rich with magic, one of the most captivating aspects is the existence of the Deathly Hallows, fabled magical artifacts that go back many centuries. These legendary artifacts, consisting of the Elder Wand, the Resurrection Stone, and the Invisibility Cloak, hold immense power and significance, and according to Wizarding Folklore, anyone who possesses all three Hallows attains the esteemed title of a Master of Death. Today we'll be diving deep into the tale of the Three Brothers, taking a closer look at the history of these artifacts, as well as what it actually means to be a master of death. But before we get started, no discussion surrounding the Deathly Hallows is complete without a summary of where these artifacts came from. The Tale of Three Brothers Once upon a time, in a world of magic and mystery, there lived three brothers. They were known as the Peveril Brothers, and they possessed extraordinary skills and knowledge of ancient magic. One day, while traveling along a treacherous road, the brothers found themselves facing a treacherous river. Using their wands, they conjured a bridge to cross the river and safely reach the other side. However, as they stepped onto the bridge, they were met by a figure standing in their path. It was death itself, furious that they had cheated their way across its river. However, death, under the guise of congratulating them, offered each of the three wizards a reward of their choosing. The oldest brother, Antioch, asked for a wand more powerful than any other, one that would make him the unbeatable master of dueling. Obliging, Death crafted the elder wand and handed it to Antioch. The second brother, Cadmus, pleaded with Death to bring back his beloved, who had perished. Death handed him the resurrection stone, claiming that it could summon the spirits of the dead. Eagerly taking the stone, Cadmus believed he had cheated Death and could bring his loved one back to life. The youngest brother, Ignotus, unlike his brothers, was wise and humble. Rather than seeking power or resurrection, he wished to evade death. In response, death gave him a cloak of exceptional quality, an invisibility cloak that would shield him from death's sight. The cloak was unique, for it had the power to conceal the wearer indefinitely, making them truly invisible. After this trial, the three brothers went their separate ways, each in possession of their respective hallows. Antioch used the Elder Wand to become a feared and powerful wizard, relishing his dominance over others. However, his lust for power led to his downfall, as a thief eventually murdered him in his sleep to steal the wand. Cadmus, filled with grief and desperation, used the Resurrection Stone to bring back his lost love. Yet, he soon realized that the figure who returned was nothing but an echo, an incomplete shadow of his beloved. 
Consumed by sorrow and unable to move on, Cadmus took his own life, unable to live without the true presence of his love. As for Ignotus, he lived a long and content life, protected by his invisibility cloak. Recognizing the cloak's significance, he passed it down through generations, ensuring that its power remained hidden and protected. The tale of the three brothers, passed down through the ages, became a legend, symbolizing the interconnectedness of power, resurrection, and the evasiveness of death. These deathly hallows showcase the frailty of human desires and the consequences that come with tampering with the natural order. It served as a reminder that, in the end, death comes for all. The Master of Death Unsurprisingly, the popular tale surrounding the three wizard brothers sparked considerable discussion in the wizarding world. Though the story is very ancient and widely believed to be a fairy tale of sorts, certain concepts were able to gain traction, like the myth behind there being a master of death, a tagline that's thrown around quite a bit in Harry Potter without much proper explanation. That is a children's tale, told to amuse rather than to instruct. Those of us who understand these matters, however, recognize that the ancient story refers to three objects or hallows, which, if united, will make the possessor master of death. The concept of being a master of death is directly tied to possessing all three deathly hallows. The idea is that the person who wields all three hallows would become the true master and conqueror of death, able to wield all three immensely powerful magical objects at once. But what does that actually mean? Sure, it sounds cool, but what does it do for you? Are you immortal? Do you have the power to control the spirits of others? Do you become the physical manifestation of death mentioned in the tale of the Deathly Hallows? Can you snap your fingers and end lives? Save them? Or is this more of a vanity title lacking any sort of considerable depth? At one time, two of the most formidable wizards in the wizarding world, Gellert Grindelwald and Albus Dumbledore, were consumed by an overwhelming fascination with this concept. So surely there must be something to it, right? The first thing to note is that being a master of death represents different aspects of mortality and its relationship with power, resurrection, and invisibility. The Elder Wand signifies the power over others. The Resurrection Stone represents the longing for life after death, and the Invisibility Cloak symbolizes the ability to evade the inevitability of death. Together, these hallows create a triad that encompasses the different facets of humanity's relationship with mortality. When attempting to understand the concept of being a master of death, some may immediately think of Harry Potter as an exemplar, considering that he seemed to possess all three Deathly Hallows at one point. For example, before venturing into the Forbidden Forest to face Voldemort, Harry was covered by the Invisibility Cloak, held the Resurrection Stone in his grasp, and was regarded as the Elder One's loyal owner by extension. However, it's worth noting that despite his claim of loyalty of the Elder Ones, Harry never physically possessed it at the time he carried the other two Hallows. As a result, it can be argued that he never truly achieved the status of a Master of Death. And by the time Harry did hold the Elder Wand in his hands, he had already dropped the Resurrection Stone somewhere in the Forbidden Forest. Even though Harry was probably far closer than anyone else in history to possess all three, he didn't quite hit the mark. 
With that said, Ari's failure was pretty much only down to the fact that he didn't care. Dumbledore explains the Hallows to Harry later in the story. Maybe a man in a million could unite the Hallows, Harry. I was fit only to possess the meanest of them, the least extraordinary. I was fit to own the Elder Wand, and not to boast of it, and not to kill with it. I was permitted to tame and to use it, because I took it, not for gain, but to save others from it. But the cloak I took out of vain curiosity, and so it could never have worked for me as it works for you, its true owner. The stone I would have used in an attempt to drag back those who are at peace, rather than to enable my self-sacrifice, as you did. You are the worthy possessor of the Hallows. Dumbledore patted Harry's hand, and Harry looked up at the old man and smiled. He could not help himself. How could he remain angry with Dumbledore now? Why did you have to make it so difficult? Dumbledore's smile was tremulous. I am afraid I counted on Miss Granger to slow you up, Harry. I was afraid that your hot head might dominate your good heart. I was scared that, if presented outright with the facts about those tempting objects, you might seize the hallows as I did, at the wrong time, for the wrong reasons. If you laid hands on them, I wanted you to possess them safely. While it is generally assumed that becoming the master of death refers to some form of immortality, here Dumbledore reveals the still rather ambiguous information that the true master of death is one who is able to truly accept the fact that death is inevitable, and that there are other things worse than dying. You are the true master of death, because the true master does not seek to run away from death. He accepts that he must die, and understands that there are far, far worse things in the living world than dying. Basically, it means nothing. Though the implications of becoming a master of death are not definitively explained, all pointers seem to suggest that it bears no actual significance. At most, it may indicate that the person has overcome their fear of death and has found peace with its inevitability. Personally, I lean towards this interpretation, as well as the notion that the Deathly Hallows are simply powerful artifacts created by the Peveril Brothers rather than literal gifts bestowed by death. However, in fan-created content, the concept of being a master of death often takes on varying interpretations. It can range from notions of immortality to being equated with being death itself, or even transcending the power of death. The problem here is that, from a narrative standpoint, presenting the master of death as immortal contradicts the core message that J.K. Rowling consistently aimed to convey throughout the story. She repeatedly emphasized that death should not be feared, but rather accepted as an inevitable part of life when the time arrives. The portrayal of immortality would not only validate Voldemort's misguided beliefs, but also undermine the thematic exploration of the series. And that's it for this video. If you enjoy the content, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time, remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live.